Hello, and welcome to Educational Triage, where we discuss issues in alternative education. This is a discussion about teaching by teachers, for teachers, and others who are interested in the alternative education world. We hope you find today's episode relevant, engaging, and useful. And if you do, please subscribe. I'm Tony Hunt, and I'm here to help guide you with the help of my friends, Christy and Philip. Welcome back to Educational Triage. I'm Tony, and I'm joined here by the indomitable Philip Summers. Aloha. <laughs> and Christy Goodell. Oh, no adjective. Okay. Hello. Who is the queen? Oh, I like it. Of yes. the air tonight. <laughs> okay. So there's your adjective. I'll Was take it. Enough? I'm going to make business cards <laughs> with my new title. So, so tonight we're going to talk about parental involvement. And this goes back to our episode on House Bill 1134, which was two episodes ago, which I, it was not supposed to be two episodes ago because 1134 just came across my radar before we recorded. And so anxiety as the new learning disorder was supposed to be there. So if there's a mix up, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I need to issue a formal apology because I fell for the clickbait on House Bill 1134. I, I looked at what people that. were saying, what the media said. What's that? I was worried that was going to happen. Well, I was too. So <laughs> I'm going to take full responsibility for it. And so <laughs> since then, we have looked at it. We have done some review of literature. We have gone up and down looking around at parental involvement recently. There used to be a time when schools begged parents to come in and volunteer that they wanted their involvement. So what what shifted? <laughs> and there was a, a pregnant pause with one I heck of a gestation did. period. Bueller. <laughs> I know that. I mean, that's so. Um, so, what? What do you? What do you think happened? Why? I, how did? How and why did that shift? Well, well, where's the parental involvement coming from? I mean, as, as far as the classroom goes, um, there's still a there's an involvement there as, as far as aiding in the classroom. Um, there's an awful lot of of mothers working with students, um, paraeducators. Um, I've known mothers of of kids who worked with kids and then worked with getting their educations and then stayed working as paraeducators and learning specialists. Some One became a teacher, actually, uh, eventually. So that's gone on. As far as parental involvement goes, I see an awful lot of school board parental involvement, sort of um, that curriculum's no good or this curriculum should be installed, perhaps. But um, as far as are you talking about on the school board or testifying at the school board? Testifying at the school board and going on to the school board. There's some activism as well on the school board. um, It didn't used to be very politically active. Now it is. Um, School boards have become sort of a hotbed of political activity, getting on them and then confronting them as well. A little bit more so, getting on them, Uh, confronting them a lot more so. But um, if that's what you're talking about, parental involvement, that's happened. Right. Why the shift where suddenly there seems to be that that they've 
become factional, where you have the parent parental faction, you have the school board. It's interesting because, I mean, you know, even just a few pre-COVID, I don't think people could name one person on the school board. And now, um, at least in our district, most people know many of them on the school, but right. Like that just wasn't a thing when I first started teaching the school, you didn't know who all the, the members of the school board were right now. For me, it's the opposite. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I used to have direct involvement with every member of that school board and the superintendent. And it was a constant, it was a constant positive relationship where we all work together, which is great. Feel that more parents who aren't teachers know more of their leaders' names now and who they are and what how they vote than in the past. And I don't know if that is because of social media where you just now have instant access to all information and questions and their policies and right, like you can get that immediately. Whereas before, you know, even like five, 10 years ago, I guess you could, it took a while to get that information, right? It just wasn't, we didn't have websites and we didn't have everything listed. So and you didn't have Facebook groups that you could immediately throw a question out there and get 25 answers in 10 minutes kind of thing. So I think I feel that's a big part of it, that instantaneous access to all things connected to the school, Mm -hmm. I think has kind of shifted the amount of involvement parents have. How, how much influence do you think parents have on the school board as, or as opposed to how much teachers have on the school board? How much parents have compared to the teachers? Parents, have on the teachers, board? community. So if we if we were to divide into those three groups, do you think that teachers or parents have more, or the community? Because well, there are a lot of community in, in the area that we live at. I I, I live in a rural um, Washington State. In the Portland Vancouver area, I live in eastern rural Washington State Vancouver area. Uh, district and that's they have a um, they're battling over wearing the masks um, and they have a kind of an active uh, school board um, contingent sort of atmosphere there's a conflict conflict um, over the masks over the curriculum and then there's a few things thrown in um, the proud boys showed up just to proclaim that they actually a proud boy who was not a, a white proud boy stood up to say look I'm a proud boy I'm not a white proud boy and then he sat back down just to make a point that they're not all white and that's all he wanted to do. And then there was some other points and mostly um, there was any mask stuff. And then you've got another rural district that's sort of South uh, Southwest of Portland rural. And they got rid of two, if not three, I believe. No, uh, they got rid of their superintendent and two of their school board members who I believe were on the liberal side or, you know, on the left side of the whole issue. Anyway, I can't recall, but they actually were removed from the school board itself. So that was an interesting one. I don't know how it's going in some of the other school board areas. I do know that there are signs up in our rural areas is thank, thank our, thanking our school board, but then there's contentious school board meetings. Um, as far as that, <laughs> yeah, that's There's true. There's always been that, for sure. 
Um, but there's actually been ousters of superintendents. There's been ousters of school board members um, just recently here in the Portland, Vancouver metro area. I believe up in Northwest Washington area, Woodland area, I think there's a superintendent that might be on the outs or something. Can Don't quote me, but there's another case where there, there's a difference between the superintendent and the board themselves. And I think, the, I know the one down in the area that's in the, in the um, Southwest rural area was over signs in the classroom, um, BLM signs and things like that. Classroom. Yeah, that was mm -hmm. like no signs. Or something. But do you think that more parents are involved now because of either the political climate or, you know, like we've had some pretty strong elections in the past yeah. few rotations that we haven't really had that before? Happened. And therefore, people yeah. are more active. And so they're being more active in their school district. I do think that the immediate access to information, I think, has prompted people to be um, more involved, but I don't know if they're necessarily involved. Like I'm coming to volunteer at the school. I am coming Look, to be a part of. on all of our parts. Well, maybe I want to place it myself. Here's what I want to say. I want to say, yeah, really there's this, you know, it's politically just terrible. You know, everyone's attacking the school board and blah, blah, blah. I want to say that, but I think it's more complicated than that. There's a nuance there. There's something going on. It's not just, hey, hate on the school board. You know, CRT is bad. I want control over my kid's curriculum. There's more to it than that. There's something. Well, but I don't think it's just school board. It's not just school board, right, Tony? There, like, yeah, Tony, you're saying it's not just the school board. Sorry, Philip, you kind just, of faded in and out. I couldn't hear, so I apologize if I talked to you. Grumble, grumble. You know, I'm for Trump. I'm against Trump. Let's have it out right here in front of the school board. It's not that. But it's not, this, but it's not just it. the Tony, school board where we're talking just, about parent involvement. I think there's more. Say, well, you're both right. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, the literature says and tells us that what happened was during the pandemic, parents had their kids at home. And they a lot of them helped backfill a lot of the stuff that was happening with their kids. They ended up doing some of the teaching. Of course, we had we had parents who weren't able to do that because they had to work. And so you have probably more of the, I'm going to call them the non-hourly wage parents, possibly the uh, parents who are at home and or the parents who uh, could work from home, not the ones that we would call frontline workers, who got to see what was happening with their kids and they began to question and they had questions about what it was that their students were learning because we've always said we want parental involvement while, and kids working with their parents. Then all of a sudden during the pandemic, when we came back and this was a year and a half ago, there were national reports where they were saying that there was, I read some things about school districts were telling, or teachers were telling children, don't let your, if, if your parent comes in here, shut down your monitor, you know, just weird, weird, weird kind of creepy things. Uh, and so how true that is and how isolated it was because the media likes to grab an anomaly and throw it out there and say that, 
this is what's going on everywhere. So they don't tell you the truth. Whether or not that was happening, but the media, once again, they ginned people up and they were saying that all these <laughs> things are happening, et cetera. And then you had the problems with Loudoun School District um, over in, are they in New York? Is, is Loudoun in Virginia. New York or is that Virginia? Virginia. Virginia. Okay. And Loudoun, Virginia is the, it has, is the highest income county in the country. Highest income in the country. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be take your, take the community in wherever you live and take the shishiest kind of place that's there. And that would be the entire county. That's the impression I got or I get from it. So you have these parents who, and then when kids go back to school or they start the new year and things kind of started to open up again, this is before Omicron came around, then kids started going back to school, many of them, and parents weren't allowed in the buildings. A lot of the buildings refused to allow other people in. So, and some have slowly let people come in for very specific purposes. And so parents where they used to have a good relationship with the teachers, where they could do things, um, find the teachers are stressed out now, that they cannot go in there, that it's hard for them to meet with the teachers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So am I, make, am I making my point? So, yes. yeah, I mean, yes, the parental involvement has changed since COVID. Do you, mm -hmm. is that, is our question more or our topic today more about has that, has this involvement changed just since COVID or has it been changing well, no, for okay, a so while pre-COVID? And then, yeah, co well, hold saying. on. I mean, or has COVID intensified the type of involvement that parents are demonstrating with their children's school? Well, yeah, exactly. Well, if a person feels powerless, they tend to react and they demand more recognition. Right. Because the child is the parent's child. So here's where here's where we're gonna have to shift the shift things around. And this was my epiphany, and Philip and I talked about it the other day. I called him and we had a little chit of a chat. <laughs> and in the book, Flip the System by Evers and Neighbor, they talk about there was a commissioned report done by the American Statistical Association to discover just how much of an impact the school had on a student's academic output. And yeah, on, on a student's academics. What they found was that there was a 1% to 14% impact by the school. That includes environment with classrooms. That means administration, teacher, class sizes, uh, curriculum, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Everything to do within the building or within the school. That means 86 to 99% of what happens that impacts a student's academic progress happens externally that goes with Outside parental attitudes that's par parental right. attitudes yeah. and parental involvement it has to do with uh 
socioeconomic status. It has to do with things that go on in the home. It has to do with whether or not kids are working, whether or not there's bullying going on. There's a whole slew of external factors that feed into that. So if a student isn't doing well, you can't really blame the teachers for that. The teachers can do what they can do. Right. They can help they can help change a student's mind. In alternative ed, we're fortunate because we have a much smaller group and a smaller cohort. And so we get to work with them individually. And we can teach a kid who says, I can't, to say, oh my gosh, I'm able to. I'm able to get there. And we try to teach them grit so that they can move that forward and they can succeed. Whereas in a regular classroom, a child might feel lost and completely disconnected. Well, here's the other thing, too, that so, I was just thinking of. Is my contention also is that no one knows which direction the ship is sailing right now. Ever since this pandemic hit and everyone went home, it, it blew the bottom out of the system. And since we returned, no one really knows what direction it's going. And everyone's looking for the leadership and the teachers don't know where it's going. The administration doesn't know where it's going. The whole well, the administration is, is supposed to. It's actually, I think we're on the precipice of changing everything. And yet we're holding on to the way it's supposed to be. The parents know it. The kids know it. We know it as teachers. And I think the parents are a little bit anxious about that. I don't blame them. But even the year before, even in the year before we went into lockdown, micromanagement had already taken place. I mean, the gaslighting and the micromanaging from admin to the teachers had already taken place. They took away teachers' autonomy. They took away the committees that teachers were on. They now they're dictating to the teachers on the committees because teachers no longer have a voice. So one committee that I was on, we would go in and we would all talk. And I discussed this in another episode. Right. I was on that with you. Right. And we, we would have great, great, robust discussions. Now we go in and administer administrator looks at us and says, okay, I went through everything and I talked it over with maybe this person and here's what we came up with. So this is what we think we need to do. And then it's basically spoon fed. So what's happened is teachers are becoming more paraprofessionals. And I asked somebody the other day, I said, you know, because I find it absolutely disrespectful that they're demanding that alternative ed students learn via computer platform. Which is passive. And somebody who is pro all this said, well, the point is not for the students to learn. Because it's not for them to actually retain the information. That's not the point. The point is to keep them in their seats. And it's like, okay, so you're an educator and you like this? Well, yeah, I think it's appropriate because they should have taken care of their business in their classes. And I thought, Honey, you have been in alternative ed now for how many years? And this is your attitude? You need to get out. So I mentioned this to admin and they just say, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> they really don't care. Because they think that it's just preposterous that we would 
they'll pretend that they really want the best for these students, but they're going to go with what's expedient and what's easiest because they tend to agree that they brought it on themselves. Notwithstanding, children move. Children ha come from abuse. Children have some processing issues that we are able to help. They need self-regulation. They need a slew of different components that we're able to fill the gaps for to get them on that road so that they can graduate. So, so I just said, I think that we're going to go into where they're going to demand that all alternative ed programs be, are computerized. Oh, uh. And I'm and possibly some of the regular curriculum. And I'm hearing more and more people agree with that. I mean, it should be an option. It shouldn't be, well, my opinion is it should be an option, not the option. Like, I mean, well, there's the virtual... some kids who do well, right? There are those that did really well in, uh, during, um, oh, what am I trying to say? Distance learning, right? Virtual learning, like it worked great for them, right? So that should mm -hmm. continue to be an option, but not everybody does. And so I don't think that should be the direction we pivot to as the sole. Well, it takes yeah. away the relationship between the teacher and the student. Well, you, it's and so it, hard to individualize. It's just, it's just everybody gets the exact same thing, right? So you, that whole purpose of making it individualized and going to your learning styles and have it be, um, and like you said, the relationship building. And learn. if you have a, well, if you mm -hmm. don't have that reading level, if you have any sort of reading if English isn't your first language, if you are maybe have a reading disability, like that is not a really good way to, it's hard. It makes it harder, not easier. Psychologically, to get I mean, fundamentally, it's not a good way to learn. You do not retain the information. You don't utilize it. You just passively just hold it and then get a test and then ding, you, you move on. It, it's not meant to keep it that way. So. Yeah. Right, right. But it's expeditious. It's cheaper than hiring a teacher. Yeah, uh, oh, it's very, it, very cheap. Yeah. But I think that by doing that, I think that they are setting themselves up for some accusations of systemic racism and just not actually addressing the needs of the students that need to be addressed. I think it's deaf. I think it's deaf on their part, and I also think it's destructive. And I don't see how it's the, for the betterment of the students. It's all about, well, it's the neoliberal approach of looking at teachers as value added and whether or not they can be, inter, you know, taken out. Look at how they deal with alternative ed teachers. I mean, we had an instance where they needed to find a place for a teacher and they tossed somebody in there who was an absolute disaster and uh, trying to get in touch with them, et cetera, et cetera. And then they said after a week, well, I'm sorry, I was out of town during that period. And I said, well, the kids needed you to check in. Well, I was out of town. Well, I'm sorry, but there's Wi-Fi in other cities, right? So if you're going to leave town, check your computer. Oh, I didn't think about that. So an admin knew it. They knew it. And it's like, why are you doing this? I just don't understand how you can do this to our students. So I'm just finding, I'm finding it harder and harder. But as far as parents go, circling back to the right. wagons on the trail. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what we need to do is do, we've always talked about how do we involve parents more? Are we back to that conversation about, <laughs> I don't know what we need to do with the, with, with parents and getting them involved. I don't see parents coming in and having meetings with administrators as much. Do you think it's more pernicious when they, when they contact administration now? Do they contact administration now? I, I don't, I, I don't know what that, d- is there a lot of contact with administration? I don't have the data on that. Well, admin but, won't tell anybody anything. Yeah. I you never mean it's knew. like parents calling the, the they, administrators? Well, they're demanding that the teachers call the parents and that the teachers are having the conversations. Yes. I mean, because teachers okay. should be in contact. Right. You know, emails or however they get in touch with them. Right. Use remind, text, whatever. But if a parent, if a teacher is comfortable with a parent having their private number. So remind would be much better for them. But I mean, how do we turn this so that where parents want to have more involvement in the curriculum? Granted, it's their child. So if they understand what's going on, then they can, then they're able to support, they're able to work with their child at home, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because it's not a teacher's place to become political with the children in the classroom because you don't know where a kid is coming from. And children need to have both sides of an issue presented to them because they need to be able to make up their mind. Now, I agree. But there are people who say, no, it is our job to teach them the righteous way of politics. And mm-hmm. that comes from both sides. And can and, you have both? Right. Like you can have your parents really instill like this is our family's beliefs and this is where we stand and that kind of stuff. But then can't education also be like, hey, you know, BT. Well, sorry, my dog is now hitting my table, <laughs> you know. Hey, here's why this was a, a big politically charged discussion in the 70s. Here was this size. Here was this other size point of view. And you're bringing mm-hmm. awareness. But it's not the teacher to be like, hey, so this side was totally right. And this side, shh, don't tell anyone. They were totally wrong. Right? Like, that's not, that shouldn't be what the teachers are doing. You are helping to, like, Socratic seminar, right? Like, you are bringing awarenesses to understand mm-hmm. different points of view and teaching them how to be analytical and, ask, you know, research-based questions, that kind of stuff, and be able to kind of go through the opinion-based versus fact-based. And you're teaching them how to be mindful and and kind of, re- you know, not fall for, hey, I read this on Wikipedia, so therefore it must be true. But it shouldn't be where teachers are just like, here's the only way you should be thinking about an issue. Dunk. Right? But are we, are we just looking at this from a white middle-class perspective? Well, there, there's an objective think, way to look at it. When they were talking about school prayer, you know, I remember that debate. You know, should should we have prayer in schools? Uh, it fundamentally came down to, I you, do you really want me leading school prayer? I mean, I I if you really wanted me to do it, I I'm really lousy at leading some of those prayers. I mean, I don't do them justice at all. I'll do them, but it, I'm not a prayer leader type of person. I'm a teacher. 
we'll read them, but they won't be very spiritual or full of soul. So the point being that teachers have a certain job. We teach content, and, and there's content in history, but history is somewhat objective to a certain level. I mean, when you're teaching social studies, you're teaching geography, you're teaching all kinds of other things besides, you know, slavery in the 1860s United States. You know, so everyone thinks it's all charged, but a lot of the curriculum that's taught up to, you know, high school is really just the basics. It's just, you know, what is a plateau versus a valley versus a canyon, you know, because kids don't have the base knowledge. And that's kind of the curriculum that's presented. The more deeper stuff, the controversial stuff, yeah, that's life. And it does come up at school, but then school, the hallways of school, wow, what a culture that is anyway. So, and as Tony said, that's only what, 18 to 15% of their entire life school, at least the teachers at school. The hallways, I guarantee you, have a much much heavier social gravity on the kids itself. So, well, yeah. I but I think teaching content versus teaching school prayer, I don't know if that's really the best comparison. Well, I mean, the prayer, I couldn't yeah. teach prayer. I'm not qualified to teach prayer, but I can teach about valleys and plateaus and canyons. See what I'm saying? I think once you bring prayer into the schools, yeah. and it's a non-parochial school. Yeah you're going to run into a whole host of problems there. And I don't Absolutely. think that it's appropriate for that. That's that's not the place for it. No, it I'm really not isn't because you have you have a you you have different groups of different creeds and beliefs. You have people who don't like certain other religions for lord only knows what. I mean, these are the Christians that don't like each other. And <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's so it's better not to do something like that. Yeah. That's yeah, for me, that is that's a that's a no go. That's that's a no game. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, not, not to mention that. some prayers. But I'm song. I mean, they they have cadences and say and, and hymns, you know. I mean, yeah, right. that's fine. <laughs> if you want to do that on you time, but not oh, in the classroom yeah. time. Yeah, parochial school. That's for that. that's perfectly okay. Even even if it's during lunch, because there's there's a group called Jesus Pizza that comes <laughs> in and they meet with kids, but they serve pizza. And if the kids want to go in there and they do Bible study, I think, and people were furious that they were doing this during lunch. Well, it's by choice. Yeah, don't go. It's by choice. Don't go if you don't like it. They didn't like it because it was on campus. I have no problems with it because it's freedom of speech, freedom of religion. I mean, they're not preaching it to everybody. And somebody said, well, what if somebody's really starving and they want that piece of pizza? And it's like, well, I mean, please. yeah, you, they come on, yeah, come on. Let's use the most extreme. But but let's get back to I want to know what's the difference between white parents and parents from, let's say, Southeast Asia, or even Asia, black parents and brown parents, you know, all these different groups, do they have, do they have different views on 
education and how education should be serving their child and their community? I would say yes, but I would not have the knowledge, the cultural background to articulate what those differences are because I that's not that's not me. I'm a you know, I'm an, a, a white woman, so I wouldn't begin to be like, okay, I totally understand all the different cultures of our school. But I think I recognize that not everyone has the same perspective as my viewpoint. So that's where I would that would be that's my statement, right? Mm -hmm. I would I would have to assume that I do know just because I have students in my classes or that I work with or that work with their families and they do come from very different backgrounds and have shared them with me during, you know, all my years of teaching. And I also think, well, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Philip. Well, as far as that goes, I, I think as a teacher, I'm part of uh, <laughs> the commons. That's, you know, it's a congregation in the community, and that just brings everyone together. And so all the community members come together with all the different cultures, and so I'm part of that culture. I have a role to fulfill as far as a teacher goes, um, and so I fulfill that role. I'm a mentor. I'm a teacher. I'm a leader. I'm also a protector of those kids, you know, to a certain extent. Um, but I facilitate growth. I facilitate expression. Um, and, uh, so in that regard, you know, as far as the culture of the school goes, um, I sort of join in and, and facilitate and go where the flow goes as far as what that. about the parents, <laughs> the parents, you know, I mean, I've been in situations where some years in the alternative program I was working, the parent involvement was wonderful. Um, it, it ranged from having parties in the evening where the food flowed and some of this authentic food, some of it was um, from uh, the islands. Some of it was um, was Mexican, I think it was. Uh, these got some great food, just some wonderful dishes, lots of gratitude. Parents would visit all times during the day um, and just say hello and bring their kids lunch and hang out for an extra ten and talk to us about curriculum, asking about their kids. Um, it was a kind of an intimate program. And then, uh, I was going to say, did they have the, did they have the knowledge that they could come during yes. any time during the school day? Cause that, and they would, they would, we had a really good that's building unusual. that way. Yeah. It yeah. really was kind of magical. And we did have multiple families that had three or yeah, two to three kids, maybe four, uh, siblings that went through the program. Um, that was wonderful. Um, you know, because we got to know the parents real well. And um, yeah, it, it just was real magical for a while. It, it, the parents always felt real, real good with us. And we had a school board member too that had a child go through our program as well. She was actually a very interesting person. Um, when, I was, when I was teaching in the black community, the parents for the most, and the very low socioeconomic group the parents pretty much determined that the school was going to take care of their kid for the day because they had their stuff that they needed to do and if their kid could achieve if their kid could their student was able to get something from there in a safe environment and they were well taken care of and we could get them closer to graduation that was fantastic we had kids who needed 
basic remediation. They couldn't tell time. They couldn't read a ruler. They couldn't, they didn't know any measurements. And these are juniors and seniors in high school. They couldn't read. So we worked with them to get that because we were working hard. They had been failed by the public school system. And we were a public school. We were a contract school, but we were working for less money than the public school system because of the contracts that they had with the public school system because they had to take a 20% administrative fee. Um, but they, and then if they needed help, that a lot of times that came via the student to come to me. I had some grandparents asked me to do the FAFSA form for them and they sent me all their tax records and all the receipts and everything. And it was like, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. So I did what I could and I sent it back and I said, you need to go through this because there's a lot of stuff here that I don't know. But if you go to PCC, Portland Community College, they will help you and they'll give you some extra help. And uh, I believe that they went there um, and then we have the parents who come from, let's say they come from countries where education might be semi-compulsory if a kid can do it. Depends on if the kid needs to work. Okay. Maybe it only goes to fifth grade. And then education is not so important because they are trying to survive. So now you have kind of a weird little shift where... Well, the kid needs to stay home because they need to take care of, they they need to babysit for me. Right. And so that's more important than something else. I had a girl, she was wonderful. She was very bright. She, I had her for ELD. I had her um, in an English class and she worked so hard and she was, she was brilliant. And she was a second language learner and she, her dream was to go to medical school. And she had the wherewithal, she had the capabilities, everything. And then all of a sudden she stopped coming to school. I had no idea what happened. I drove to their house. This is in, this is in a rural community where I was teaching and I found them and I found the mother and I said, hi, I said, where is your daughter? And she said, oh, she's here. And so she called her and I said, what happened? We haven't seen her at school. I'm really worried. We were hoping that she was going to graduate this year and that she could go to medical school. And the mother said, I'm so sorry. My husband just walked out on us oh. and we have nothing. And she needs to help support me and the other four children. Right. And so all of her dreams kind of went by the wayside, at least at that point. And so... I and a couple of other people were able to talk to the family and we figured out a way for her maybe to start taking some classes so that she, this is long before internet, so that she could maybe take some uh, classes here and there at the that nearby. That was long ago, long before internet. Dinosaur. Long be, yes, exactly. <laughs> so I, I, I've been in this business too long. Um, and so... What happened with her, I don't know, because I've moved so many times since then. But you have these issues where the the 86 to 99% conflicts with the school and the ability to learn and the ability to even attend. Yeah. yeah. 
And then you have cultural. Mm-hmm. So how do we get those parents involved? Yeah, and that's sometimes, it, you know, I don't even quite know how to articulate it because their cultural background or their family involvement is so wildly different than mine. And you're right, we do have a lot of families in our district where the the students are, the kids are expected to work and they have to help and they are part of the income. And so they can't always, I mean, we've done it where like we try and arrange their schedule so that they, if, if we can, they have first block release because we know, or they have last block release so that they can help the family because they're working, right? We have a lot of those, mm-hmm. those I have situations. Who pay the rent. Yeah. I have some that are working, you know, school gets out at four and they are working from five to 10 every day, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so sometimes I think the parents wish they could be involved in some capacity and, and f- for whatever socioeconomic reason, or they're working two jobs or their family, or they just don't have the transportation to come to the school to help out, even if they could. Right. Um, so there's how so do many we, factors. Okay. So how do we want parents to be involved? Because we need to build that, that community. You... We have to have a community with the parents. You can't segregate the parents from the, from the school, from the curriculum and everything. They are, they're allowed to have a voice in what's going on. Right. Sometimes with my... overreach, you find a happy medium and then you find bliss or some kind of utopian adventure. I guess I'm struggling because the term parental involvement is so broad. And it, what exactly are we... How do you see parental involvement? What, exactly. What is it like I need people, we or as a school or a community or a district need parents in the building to help because we have a shortage? Or do we need them to be involved in like site council or as school board members or um, help with sports, right? We need parent volunteers to help us run theater productions or help with boosters, right? Like, so what exactly is parent involvement that we're looking for? How many alternative programs have parent boosters? Right. <laughs> uh, Good point, right? I, Versus the sports teams. I mean, seriously. Yeah. We do well, have some parents who, what's, what, in my, what are in you my saying? District, in my district, this is interesting. I've been asking people just in, in conversation because it's a small town, small town questions. Uh, you know, how long have you worked at the high school? How long have you been in the district? And I'm finding that, oh, I went to this high school. I was raised in this district. Um, yeah. I worked at this yeah. high school 15 years now. These A lot of these people in this district were raised in this district, went to these schools, came back and now work in these schools. Talk about parental involvement. Oh, and their kids go to these schools. Wow. Got multi-generations. That's parental involvement. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's the parental involvement that can be either a godsend or a curse. If you're the student, I imagine it could be quite the curse, but yeah. <laughs> I've had many meetings where the parents, well, and they're happening more and more now where they're like, I, the same thing. I remember where my locker was here at this school. I was like, hey. <laughs> oh boy, okay. Wow. <laughs> I know. And yet I don't feel that old, but I am. Um, and then that another big question. Ago. Yeah, right. And the other big question is how does parental involvement differ 
at a secondary, like, are we truly just talking about alt ed? Are we talking about building? Are we talking about like secondary versus elementary? I think alternative looks... ed is, is our primary focus and then we can go into mainstream. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. alternative ed, I think sometimes the parental environment, well, obviously it's going to be so much different than parental involvement with your mm-hmm. like school wide. Yeah. I think if it's one of those, if it's an alternative ed program that is is basically sort of punitive based, you know, send the bad kids there. I think a lot of times your parental involvement isn't as great as it would be if it was a community based sort of alt ed that we had. The, we had the teen parent program, and then we had the the um, the, the the school program that's based. We had some gang kind of involved kids. Then we had kids that were just sort of you know, the, the nerdy kids who just didn't even go to school kind of kids. And then we had kids that just kind of had the IEPs that just didn't get accommodated kind of kids. And we had true alternative kids. And then we had the kid that dressed, right. you know, they were all black or had the purple hair kind of kid, you know, that all ed kids and they formed a community. And it was about 35 students at the most. And the parents, oh, we had a lot of Hispanic kids, and so uh, and island kids, and so that brought in uh, kind of a different culture. And uh, we used to encourage that with great food, great homemade food. So yeah, I do send home emails to the parents to just keep them abreast of what's going on with their kid, so that they know what's happening. And you know, it's like if you need anything, just let me know. Uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We have a lot of that in special ed just because we're required to meet with the families mm -hmm. at least once a year, right? And so Mm -hmm. that's kind of, it's not, I wouldn't say a running joke, but um, a lot of times at parent conferences, we don't get a lot of parents that come to us, but a lot of times it's because they're like, oh, I talk to you all the time. Or like I, I talk with you in meetings or if I have questions. So they almost are a lot of times saying, I'm going to go and speak to the other teachers because I know I can talk to you, Christy, you know, whenever. Um, so I think it's kind of the same. You're able to build those relationships with families within special education because you just have to have such a in-depth relationship with the student and their family in order to know how to support them. So I think they kind of parallel that way with Alta. I think parents want to know that they're supported and they also want to be, you know, I believe that parents want to know that they're also being supportive of you and the student mm-hmm. Yeah, because they want to find a middle ground. They don't, I believe that most likely in the disciplinary types of alternative ed that parents would most likely be, they would either be somewhat humble or confrontational because you've yanked their kid and they've you've tossed their student into a program and it's not really consensual or anything and you've pigeonholed their student in a sense i don't know i'm guessing on that but i'm going to guess that if their student is succeeding and they're receiving positive feedback mm-hmm. Or you call them and you say, hey, love, I love little Tommy Thumbsucker. He's doing so well. Can you give me hints on how to deal with this one situation? 
then they're involved. Mm -hmm. And I've had parents say, well, that's your problem. I've been trying to fix that for years. And you say, okay, fine. Then you can joke about it with them. Right. And then you're still left with zilch, but you know. Sometimes they just need to know that someone hears them and understands what they're going through. And you're just, you're recognizing that sometimes it is super hard, right? Like that's sometimes Mm -hmm. what the parents are hoping to get from their, from their children's teacher, especially in all fed, right? Because they have chosen to participate in that program for whatever reason. So I kind of rolling back parental involvement. We're looking at how much parents want to be involved with HB 1134. Is it 34 or 35? 1134. 34. Yeah, there it is. And so I like the idea that Philip had where you had like a big potluck of parents coming in Mm -hmm. and sharing and sharing food. Because if you break bread with people, that's symbolically, I mean, it's it's the international sign of fulfillment and I'm not trying to be punny, but you, you know, people can teach each other and it's just kind of convivial and it's a nice way of doing it. If people can do that. People like food, food, but what do you do if parents don't really have enough, enough to be able to do that? Do you give them, gift cards so that they can go out and buy the food? Do you ask them what foods they would like to have there so that you could bring it to them? Yeah, we you we know? have kitchens. We used to use the kitchen okay. so they could cook it or bring it. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's it's just different ways. And I think it's different forms of communication between the teachers and the parents the parents are actually the pivotal role here for the student for the most part. Oh yeah. And that's the way it is. And not the teacher. The teacher is not the one to blame completely if a student fails. Sure, they're bad teachers. Sure, there are times that teachers kind of I'm going to say let students down, hopefully not intentionally. But just whatever, there's always a circumstance where something happens and things just don't jibe. And not every teacher is going to be able to work with every child. Right. And every child is not going to be the perfect angel that their parents think that they are. Right. When they come to school. My brother Which is life, to... right? Like that's right. life. You're not going to always get along with your coworker, your boss, your customer, your client. You know, so that's. Being able to adapt is a critical, that's a, that's a life skill that we can work with our students and possibly families with. My brother used to go into conferences for his kids and the teachers would say, oh, your, you know, your kid is so wonderful. And my brother said, he'd sit there and say, okay, enough with the BS. How are they really? I want the dirt. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then they get down to brass tacks. So, um, but it was done with a sense of humor. And so, and the kids dreaded him going in there because he'd say, okay, why didn't you da-da-da-da-da-da? And we had the same thing from our parents as well, but they would just go in there and say, my child is the most wonderful child, right? 
And the teachers would say, well, Tony's not exactly doing what we want him to be doing. Yeah. You know, that kind of a thing. And then I, my mother would look at me and say, had a nice little chit chat with your teacher today. And it's like, chit my, <laughs> my stomach would fall into my feet and <laughs> I'd say, <laughs> I've, I think I need to go pull weeds or do something <laughs> constructive right now. Oh, no, you don't. And the hook would come out and yank yeah, it back in. Yeah, time to go. But, time to go. Right. But, you know, like I said, we need to look more towards the parents who may be more marginalized, maybe aren't part of that middle class norm that we have. Mm-hmm who are the frontline workers, who are the hourly workers, who are the ones who don't have the time. And when they come home, they're absolutely exhausted. The last thing they want, and they will block the school numbers from calling Mm -hmm. them. Right. Because they don't want to hear it. They just don't want to hear it, whether it's praise or not. They won't even look at anything. So you have to find a way to get through to them. Right. Yeah. You got to get clever. You do. Yep. So... Okay. Well, I think we've reached an impasse where we are a little bit further than we were. We know (laughs) a little bit more. We have a little bit more clarity. Hopefully our listeners do. Um, And we just have to agree that there's not closure on everything, that there's no one right answer, that sometimes we need, we just need to parse things out and kind of flip them around inside our skulls. And sometimes what we have is a little machine that spits it out or gives us an idea of something that we could try. So thank you both. We're here. Yeah. The answer is there are no answers to this one. That's kind there of we it. are. There, there we are. Okay. <laughs> and with that, I'm going to say sayonara. Thank you for, thank you all for listening. Read Aloha. the show notes. We have some great articles in there and subscribe. And tell your friends about us and help us grow because you have been wonderful.